This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. This is episode 67 and I'm super pumped because I am joined by Adam McCulloch. Now, Adam is based in northern New South Wales region, so it was really good to get him on and talk a little bit about the lakes up that way. So, in this one, we focus on northern New South Wales impoundments, especially Chaffee, Split Rock and Keep It. We also talk um, mainly about golden perch and we do talk a lot about jerk baits or suspending hard bodies for golden perch. So, we're jumping in on the golden perch content as we are leading or basically start of spring with Adam. I'm going to get him on the future as well because he has a wealth of knowledge around Murray Cod, bass, a range of freshwater species. So in this one, we focused on yellows. We did touch on cod a little bit here and there um, and we actually talked a lot about your jerk baits for early spring yellows and the techniques that Adam uses to get them. Really, really good info in this one. A great story as well. Adam's a great bloke, so it was awesome to have him on. And he is also one of uh, the SF team. He writes the Tamworth Region Report for the Social Fishing Membership. So he writes content for the Tamworth Region, which goes up inside the membership. Adam was also on our team trip that we did to Iangler this year. Um, and he actually ended up catching the most fish on that trip. So very, very smart guy when it comes to fishing, hunting as well. He loves his hunting. He really, really thinks when it comes to fishing, observes as well. So just listen to the way he talks, the observations he makes, and and the technicality that can make a fish bite and not bite. Just some of the things he mentions that would make a fish chew when you do something slightly different and it doesn't, it goes a long way. And being aware of those things can make a big difference. So anyway, we've got stacks to talk about in this episode. But before we jump in, just a couple of things, guys. If you don't already follow us on social media, head over to Instagram, Social Fishing, and also on Facebook, we are Social Fishing. Make sure you like our pages and follow along. One other thing also that we have for you, it is completely free, it is called the Freshwater Mini Series. Now, if you haven't seen it yet, make sure you jump on and check it out. We run through techniques, lures, and how we approach fishing for both or for trout, cod, and golden perch in both river systems and in impoundments for all species. So there's four parts in the mini series. Uh, part two is about cod. So basically, we jump in and chase cod. On, an, on a river system, run through techniques, run through lures. We talk about things like when you should use a hard body versus when you should use a spinnerbait. A bunch of incredible content in there. And then we look at uh, cotton impoundments, same for golden perch, and we catch a few on the video as well plus your trout as well. So if you are learning the ropes of freshwater fishing or if you want more information or if you already know how to chase freshwater fish and you want to pick up a few little extra things or watch some awesome fish being caught on film, then go check out the Freshwater Mini Series. You can head to socialfishing.com.au, jump on our website, start scrolling down and you will see the Freshwater Mini Series. You could also type it straight into Google. So definitely if you haven't seen it already, head over and check out the Freshwater Mini Series. Righto guys, that is enough from me. Let's jump into this awesome chat with the one, the only, Adam McCulloch. Welcome. 
welcome everyone back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. I have got Adam McCulloch with me. Adam, um, I'm real keen for this uh, chat. The sun's out, even though we've got some rubbish weather coming. It's springtime. Uh, welcome aboard to an episode of the podcast, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Race. It's an awesome time of year. Like, it's sad that the cod season's closed, but it's, uh, yeah, we've got the springtime fishing ahead of us now. It's uh, yellows, bass, all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, trout when the season opens as well. Were you ready for the yellows or did, could you have still had another crack at the cod for a couple more weeks or were you over the cod fishing? No, nah, no, nah, mate. I could have had another six months on the cod. I had a very <laughs> poor year this year. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I even got the boat out into the local um, dams around here. Like, I think that Y Angler right. trip was about the best sort of session I had. Like, I was supposed to do Copeland for four days, but um, sickness sort of hit me down there. I ended up only getting up there for a an afternoon and a morning fish instead of being up there for four days. But, yeah, I haven't really had that solid grind on them that I think you need um, to have any consistent results. Yeah, right. So it kind of started good and then yeah. it disappeared on you. That's right, yeah. And I t- tried the rivers when the rivers were as I like them, like and I'd rather that river scene when they're flowing good. But I caught some nice fish out of the rivers and I missed my chance on a couple of big fish that I sort of knew that were in there and um, yeah, just never never transferred on any of those. So it's just, yeah, a bit of an unlucky year, I suppose you call it. Mm, winter, eh? Cod yeah, fishing. it's tough. Some people kill it and some people struggle the whole time and yeah, I'm, I was on the bit, bit of the struggle streak for sure. Yeah, we all go through it, especially when you don't get that time on the water. If you've got that time during that period where you can really get out, you can really get onto some good fish when you key them in. Yeah, um, that's right. If you're limited for time, especially on a kind of a wet, weird winter we had, we didn't have those periods where you could just go any day because you had big high pressures. It was a bit hit and miss on the weather yeah. scene, so you really had to pick your windows. Yeah, I definitely think that time on the water, that's the most critical component to your winter fishing. and. It, if you go out and get a donut or you go out and you get a bump, you just you learn so much and if you're gonna fish it again in the next few days where well, you're sort of you you're constantly evolving the way you're fishing a waterway or you're not fishing that area because that didn't work or you're fishing in here because yep. there's lots of bait, like just those little bits of information you pick up just from being out there all the time. Just keeps you trying to keep you a step ahead in that that chase for them, I think. Yep, that's exactly right. Now I've been keen to have you on uh for a while now, we actually you joined me for a live Q and A inside the membership a while back. We uh, talked about bass techniques in that. Yeah. Now I'm keen to get you on because the way you think about cod or fishing in general, but like when we went to Wyangla, just the watching you, the way you thought about cod, the way you pulled apart a situation was just really cool. And I think you've got natives pretty like down to a key because um, you fish for them a lot you understand their behavior i think one thing about you that i've noticed is how much you keen on how fish behave now we're going to get on to talking about golden perch in this app yellows especially up your way northern new south um, which is something we haven't talked about a lot of so it's good that you're based in that area we're going to talk about chaffee split rock keep it spring yellows a whole bunch of other stuff but before we jump in can you run us through your story what it, who is Adam, where were you born, where did you grow up, where are you based, how you fell into fishing, how that fishing journey evolved until where you are today? Yeah, well, I suppose like uh, I'll probably start off on the last question because that's the one I'll remember the easiest. But yeah, um, born in Grafton, New South Wales, um, shifted over into the Tamworth area here just outside of Tamworth uh, at a young age. 
lived out on um, some acreage out near Nundle. Uh, then when I was about six years old, yeah, shifted into town. And when we shifted into town, we were only about a K and a half away from the Peel River. And uh, having two older brothers, that's where we spent a lot of our time. And yeah, we fished that. Yeah, we foamed it up <laughs> constantly there. But the days have um, changed of what we used to do down there. Like, I still remember a funny story. Uh, we used to fish down there and we thought the little, the turn buckle on top of your spinning reel, we thought that was to hold your spool on. The, so the we, drag or the... Yeah, yeah that drag. <laughs> yeah. So we used to crank that down, lock it down tight so our spool wouldn't come off and we'd, we'd go down and we'd fish the uh, Shakespeare <laughs> big S's. We'd get them for about six bucks at the local camping shop. Yeah. And um, we'd use the little S's for the yellow belly and we'd use the big S's if we are chasing the cod. But uh, yeah, I think every half-decent cod we encountered, mate, I think that lasted about two seconds. That's funny. How long that, did it take you to learn your lesson or you just did not know? Or you thought the, that's what fishing was. It was just hook up and hold on yeah, and try yeah, and drag yeah, it we, in. Yeah, we start cranking up our mono size and still get busted off and you're just like, that's how are we going to catch these things? But yeah, it's pretty explosive once they, if they grabbed you at your feet and they couldn't take any line, they'd just be thrashing <laughs> around until the, the line busted. <laughs> That's funny. But, Do um, you actually yeah. remember the moment you guys were shown that that was a drag or you don't actually remember that? No, no. I'd say just reading, mate. One of us probably figured it out. I was just like, oh, we just need to loosen this up so they can take <laughs> a bit of drag. That's kind of funny story. But the information, the information we have now, I think, stops those real sharp learning curves, I suppose, um, or just the way people talk and stuff. Like back then, and I've still got them here now, we had these fishing encyclopedias. You'd look up golden perch and yellow, uh, like yellow belly cod, bass and all that, and they'd sort of give you an idea of the, the size they could get to, the methods you could use to catch them, but it was very broad. Yeah, they didn't didn't go into the gear side of things to say this is like yeah you should be running this you got to have your drag like this to catch this fish and so yeah. forth so yeah we were just and and like most of the uncles and stuff like that we were learning off they were just from a farm background and like they sort of they'd get to the dam maybe twice a year with the fishing clubs or something like that but they weren't um, what would you yeah. say that they weren't right up with it that bob yabbies and shrimp in trees they weren't lure casters or anything like that so yeah so what made you guys want to do that not just bait fish as kids yeah it's just um yeah exciting way of fishing we bait fished as well i think most people bait fish at the start but sometimes you'd have a, a bait set or something like that and you'd chuck a lure around while you were sitting there while the bait was sitting there um soaking in the water but it just become um, just a more active way to fish for us. You walk along the river, you're climbing out on the logs, casting about. Like it, it was just such an exciting way of fishing. And having two older brothers, we were fairly comp- competitive while we fished. So some afternoons, you'd three yellows or five yellows for the afternoon, you'd be able to stick it into your brothers for a while then. So <laughs> that's funny. I just had a thought while you were talking about, you know, lure fishing while chucking out a bait. Do you think? Because everyone I talked to on this podcast did the same thing, right? So, obviously, everyone I talked to is someone who fishes in like some way or form now at, at a higher level. Do you think that, that that stems from way back when you were a kid and it's just born into you that you fall in love with it and you go, right, what can I push and do more of or how can I test myself, you know, by picking up a lure? Because I find that everyone who fishes pretty solid today did something like that as a kid, whereas I imagine people who don't really fish like we do may have just continued on bait fishing, 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm sure it, yeah, it does stem from like the very beginning, like just whether it's in you, just just sort of like, and we we've always sort of wanted to do that the back the backpack fishing. We've wanted to do the hiking into the gorges and all that sort of stuff. Like it, it, as as much as the fishing is is great to do, that's the adventure of fishing as well. And um, it's I'm just trying to think of the way to put it, but. Yeah, it just the, the people that sort of strive for something, the challenge all the time. I think they're yep. they're your keenest lure fishers. Like, and they're the same guys that they might fish for yellows one year, and they're using a mass vibe, and they catch a hundred and fifty or two hundred fish for the season, and then the next year they know they can fish that same lure and probably catch them still catch a few, but they're they're changing their lure type or they're trying to find another technique that they can catch them on as well to have another skill set. Like they're yep. constantly giving themselves challenges to keep evolving the, the way they understand the fish um, behavior and how they yeah. get the bite in certain scenarios. So more challenge, more experience. Yeah. And I think if you're not, if you're not challenging yourself, I think you get a little bit um, stale, a little bit like doing yep. the same thing. Like, um, yeah, I just I come to this waterway, I just fish a swim bait for cod, I just wind it dead slower, I constantly use mumblers here. And Why do you use mumblers? Oh, just because they work. You tried anything else? No, I always tie mumblers on here and I always catch cod here on mumblers. You just yeah, like, okay. yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, I'm yeah, sort of the guy trying to yeah, fool those old wise fish and try and trick them in a new way. Like, Well, even if that's something that can sort of catch you as well is if you go to a waterway and you continue to catch fish on a lure, you get stuck in using that and then you might do a trip where you don't catch one, still use it the whole trip, then you do yes, another trip, right. you get one, but you might yep. get two, you might get three. Who says that you shouldn't be getting six or seven? That's right. Using yeah. something else. And it's, and it's hard to stray away from a confidence lure. Um, mm. Like, yeah, that's what I, like, even out chaffy at the moment, mate, like I just know how many fish have been caught on the squirrels and stuff like that and it's just so, like I'll just grind it out with the squirrel for so long without um, like changing it up. Like I'm just like, yeah. no, I just need to come across the right fish and they'll eat this. This is this is what they're looking for and they just, yeah, they mightn't be on for the squirrels just yet. They mightn't be up shallow. They mightn't be seeing them um, where you should be, yeah, targeting other fish or trying different methods, giving it a couple of hours, trying something else, trying something else. Yeah, nice. That's a good point. So, yeah. go back to uh, your story. So, you grew up on the Peel. Where did it evolve from there? You're obviously still there now. Yeah, still here now. Just, um, yeah, now I've got a license, starting to spread the wings a little bit. Um, I'm a bit of a homebody. I haven't sort of fished all around New South Wales like some guys have. Um, Windermere and Wye Anglers are about as far south as I've been in the empowerment side of things, but all around um, here, keep it, uh, yeah, Split Rock, Chaffee, the Namoy, the Peel. And um, yeah, we've got a little one there, the Manila River. It comes; it's the river that runs into Split Rock and comes out of Split Rock. It's only a small body of water, but there can be good fishing in there at times as well. Yep. And then the bass stuff's not far from you either. Yeah, got to go up over the hill, up through Armadale, and down the other side. Normally fish the Maclay River. Um, we've also got the Clarence further up north, just outside of Grafton. There, or runs through near Grafton. There, um, it's great bass fishing as well. So yeah, it's a good little treat to go over there, but. The catchments are just that primed up with uh, with the rainfall we've had. I just don't know whether we're going to get a, um, a crack at them over there. Yeah, even the whole summer? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll so you, see. 
there's that much water and with the water coming you think it's it's not idea not going to be ideal yeah we just keep an eye on those those flows and then see if they get down low enough that um yeah it, it's a fair bit more safer especially yep. on like the clarence and the man river system there there's a lot of um they're good like grade four sort of three or four rapids in there and they just become a bit of a yeah, a mammoth job for a portage down around them because it's just yeah, it's just boulders and drops and yeah, you name it. Yeah, we had one bloke. He come out of his come out of his canoe and he was holding onto the back of the canoe and I I reached forward and grabbed the front and he's teetering over this little just about to go over this waterfall and I, I was only just hanging on. I said, mate, either you let go or your whole canoe and all your gear's going down with you. And yeah, he let go and yeah, I still remember telling him it was like a like a penguin bobbing around in the the waves seeing his head pop up taking a breath every now and again he lost his sunnies and yeah that was the start of the trip so yeah we take a little bit more carefully now yeah so they're like big big water like it's like yeah yeah right yeah big water yeah you just yeah even when it's low like it's dangerous yeah never underestimate them and it's it's more just the pain in the ass if you flip a canoe and yeah like everything's a lot of the things we take are waterproof and stuff like that, but you flip a canoe and you've got lure boxes out and all that sort of stuff. Like you're not always preparing and organising before you hit a set of rapids. So Yeah. Yeah, I think we yeah, done a done a GoPro on a little pole and yeah, Sunny's that trip and yeah, it's just yeah, just the way it goes. Yeah. That sounds like a trip you had to my angler. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah. Less <laughs> less money in that trip there anyway. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, yeah. For those who are members, will know exactly what we are both talking about. But uh, rough start to the trip, mate. When Cod sends a camera over the side of the boat on you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, nah, it's about normal, mate. Get used to it when you're unlucky like me. <laughs> oh, funny as um, yeah. sort of. Um, yeah. So now you've just based yourself around home. You do a bit yeah. of hunting as well. Yeah, get stuck into the hunting as well. Uh, yeah, just with the bow. Uh, haven't used to do or started off with the gun a little bit um but yeah once again that challenging race it's just um yeah the bow just seemed like it was it was the chase and the hunt that i liked so you're getting nice and close to something you have the wind right and yeah it can all go wrong in a matter of seconds or it can all go right so yeah, yeah have you pretty- have you had um how long you hunted for uh, I picked up the bow when I was 12 years old. A mate of mine got me into the bow at 12. So, yeah, since then. So, yeah, fair while now. I'm not going to yeah, say right. age, but, yeah, 35 now. So, yeah, and I haven't had yeah. a year, year off or anything, mate. Always used the bow. And it's taken me over to Africa and New Zealand and, yeah, lots of other places as well. So, yeah, pretty cool. Would you say you split hunting fishing 50-50 almost or you'd I fish more I'm, than you hunt? fishing more than I hunt now just because it's easier and I feel like I've got less time um now it's easy to slip out for a fish and satisfy that urge and to yep. slip out and have a decent hunt if you know what I mean yep does either or satisfy the urge or is there an urge to sometimes just go hunting you know what I yeah, mean yeah you do get the urge you get to just go out and um yeah go bush for a week for sure that's um yeah, it's definitely something that I enjoy quite thoroughly. I just wish I had so much more time. Um, I mean, just different part of discuss- life now, mate. With kids, yeah, well, I'm having a discussion at work. Trying to, I'm doing a lot of overtime hours at the moment, but I'm trying to get them transferred into time in lieu, so yep. I can work when work's busy, and then when it's getting quiet, I can have time off instead of yep. getting the money value for the overtime that the tax man takes as well. So 
You get your time, time. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, try and keep both parties happy and see if they'll come to the party. Yeah, yeah. It's a good, um, that's a good mention, even though it's not fishing related. Um, like, we're only here for a limited amount of time. Yeah. And, you know, you can work a heap, but if you enjoy your time or value your time with family or out fishing more, then something to consider. That's think about. right. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. I, th- I think when we get old and we're lying in that hospital bed, I think we'll be wishing we were doing the things we enjoy more than, yeah, earning that money and being in the job. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good thought. Um, yeah. So... Let's talk a little bit about those three major lakes near you. We haven't discussed them all that much on the podcast before, so this will be cool. Yep. Chaffee, Split Rock, Keep It. Run us through the three, what they're like, um, how they fish, and what's happened since they all filled up and what happened when they actually emptied. So start with Keep It because it'll probably be the quickest of the lot. Yeah. Um, what ha- What was Keep It? What, ke- what was it like when it... I don't know if you fished it when you were younger, but what did it used to be like? What's it like now? Yeah, keep it. Yeah, it used to be. Oh, used to be a great fishery, and I'm still crossing my fingers and toes and everything else I can cross. I'm hoping it does bounce back from those drought years. Um, it's situated downstream from Split Rock as well, so Split Rock can feed keep it um, via the Manila River, but yep. keep it's mainly fed from the Nemoy River, which comes from up in the tops around Bendemeer and stuff like that, comes through the National Park there and comes down and feeds the dam. But keep it got to a very, very low level in the drought and fish kills and everything went on there. Um, was that the early drought, like the 2000s drought? Well, it was just or this most recent one. So The recent one, right. Yeah, and they were, they were trying to keep the rivers afloat and dropping all the water out. I think um, like Split Rock was well below 2%, keep it was well below 2%, like they were just mere puddles of what they were formerly. Did um, you see them when they were that low? I seen Split Rock, yeah. And you're what still it look like? Oh, terrible, mate. <laughs> Absolutely terrible, just, yeah. The main basin still had a bit of water in them, but, mate, the rivers were just nothing, absolutely nothing. Like it just, yeah, it was... It's good to see them so low in the way of you just get a bit of an idea of the spots you used to fish at a higher water level and see why they were producing fish and why yeah. other spots wouldn't and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, I, I do rather see them with a bit more water in them. Um, yeah. But keep, um, Split Rock sort of bounced back pretty well, but Keep It just hasn't. Keep It... Because they had fish kills? I think so, and I think the water spread them out a lot more, all the extra water spread them out. There's just not the consistent um, reports coming out of Keep It, and right. like a lot of, lot of guys are giving it a crack here and there, and they're just not getting any results. Um, so it used ha- to fish well before? Yeah, it used to fish great, mate. You, you could catch, like springtime, you could catch 20 to 30 yellows out there on the edges. Um, good yellows? Yeah, good fish, yeah. Wow, and, and, and cod? Yeah, and the cod would yeah be there as well because they're pains in the ass in the close season. They don't seem to take the memo that they just need to stop eating ZX blades on six pound and stuff <laughs> like that. But that's funny. And what about the summer and autumn and winter fishery on the cod though? Like there was some good cod in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. There is some in there. I just think they're all spread out, and it seems when those dams drop, those bigger cod seem to be the first to be susceptible to those poor water conditions. Um, yeah. And then if you, like, I know Split Rock, when it was low, 
some of the fish that were caught, like you'd end up coming across a, a 106 that was belly up the next day after you'd been out there and you knew a guy had caught one out there. Like they just weren't... Um, like they weren't happy. Yeah, they weren't happy with the catch and release. So you just... We as anglers, if you're going to go out there and catch them, you just got to have everything set up. So when you catch them, you just handle them as little as possible and get them back in the water. Yeah. Um, and I think the rivers were even in poorer conditions, and that's what drove me into the boat to start with, that the rivers were in that poor of a condition. I started catching a few of the fish out of the rivers, and I didn't know when I released them. I was just like, mate, I could expect that thing to be belly up in the day. Like right. he, was, he was holding on that skinny and he's just holding on for dear life yeah and he's just wasted his energy yeah he yep. just wasted his energy and he's not going to get it back <laughs> like yep. that was tough so yeah I, I got the boat then and started fishing those bigger pools of water and um yeah it was satisfying the urges and hopefully we all hope that yeah not too many fish suffered in that process so split rock you're saying so did keep it there was fish kills yeah like, yeah yep. and that was the issue there so prior Prior to the drought, they were a fairly even body fishery, like split rock and keeper were fairly even. Like yeah, yeah. as a fishery, you could go yeah. to either or and both yeah, good for consistent. cod, both good for yellows. Yeah, definitely. And now what's the situation? Keep yeah. it full yeah. struggle street? Yeah, I think so, mate. I'm hoping it turns around. Um, this springtime will tell. Um, but I think we've lost that mature age fish. I think a lot of those older fish, um, they yeah. have, been, have been stocking it, so... There is future um, in there, but yeah, it's just not consistent. Whereas, yeah, split rock still, yeah, the, the guys still catching their their good cod. It's always been a good cod fishery. Keep it's always been a good cod fishery as well, but it's just yeah, taken a bit of a hit. Um, I'm sure there's fish that have survived. I'm sure there's yes, I'm sure there's a fair few in there. It's just yeah, getting onto them. And split rock were there fish kills when it was low, or you'd had enough water that they didn't. No they, they didn't have mass death. fish kills, but they have had big fish kills more from a water turnover event. Um, Split rock. Yeah, yeah. So when that, yeah, the cold down the bottom comes to the top and so forth. And did that happen recently? Not recently, but it, yeah, it, it has before. And they closed the dam off, and council went out there with excavators and front end loaders and dug holes and scooped up the fish and put them in the holes and buried them before the public could get out there and see what was going on. Wow. Yeah. So. But it happened before that recent drought? Yeah, it did. Yeah. So so the fish are sort of, they didn't have big fish kills there during nah. that same drought period? No, no, no. That, they um, survived, the, that was probably the better of the dams. Chaffee being our water storage, it stayed okay. I think it got down to 16%. But yeah, Split Rock survived. It seemed to survive okay and keep it just got absolutely nailed. And size-wise, are they both similar size? Which one's bigger? I think keep it's bigger but shallower. I think keep it's uh, 330 gig, I think it is. Yep. Split, split rock about 300 and Chaffee's only 100. Yep. Which, right yeah, I, I only looked up how much water they actually store when you started talking about some of the waterways down where, where you are, <laughs> eeled and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yep, that's sort yeah. of where you'd, where you'd want to have that membership and sort of get into just even if you could find one spot on one of those massive waterways a starting point would be just so, so big oh you could spend weeks there before you come across that and if you're fishing for for cod in the winter time and you're searching for one bite and you've got like hundreds and thousands of gigalitres of water to go across well 
yeah, I hope you've put in some, yeah. Research? A, month, a month's worth of leave or as much research as you can because there's a whole lot of bank there. You're probably not going to come across anything. It's interesting. Eh? On that topic, I want to get back to talking about uh, Split Rock in a minute. But can you just – I was thinking about this this week is when we go to a fishery and have success and, you know, have really good fisheries, for example, Windermere for your yellows. Yeah. Um, I find there's a lot of aspects to having good fishing in terms of food source, water stability, quality, quality of fish, all of that, right? Yeah. But do you believe what's your thoughts on um, you've got amount, the amount of fish per the amount of bank? So, it's like your, your population density yeah. based on the size of the system. I find that that is a massive contributor to success. Now, we look at Windermere. This is why I was thinking about this is because Windermere has just gone from for it hasn't been above sixty percent for twenty years. Yeah, it has I'll... been twenty to th- it's been between twenty and thirty percent for um, it's a guess, but eight years. It could be longer, um, maybe even ten. It's an epic fishery. Yeah, right. It always has been. You can go there and catch massive amount of fish. Now that it is eighty percent going on a hundred, will it be the fishery it once was? Yeah, I'm but ve- I'm very interested to see the results and. Um, with my oil on board, I was waiting, waiting to hear how it was going to fish, and we still got, um, yeah, like weeks and weeks ahead before it'll fire properly. But yeah, will it fire the same? Yeah, will it fire the same? Um, I don't think so, but I think they're gonna, there'll be fish there that'll get a bit of reprieve from um, the pressure. Like there's, it's the mecca for yellow fishing in New South Wales, so it gets the pressure that um, that that brings. Um, but yeah, I don't think you will catch the numbers. Sure, you will have purple patches of certain banks with the exact uh, structure, water temp, food, um, like the quality of water. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of them that stacks up in those right areas. But yeah, but not in, as consistent. In general, you won't have 20 boats leaving the ramp and 18 of them come back with 15 fish or 20 fish days. Yeah, because you think about it, we've now got let's say. Let's say, this is just a rough guess, there's twice the amount of water now. Yeah. That's twice the amount of water that those fish can spread out in. So, and so there's the other... bank, all of it's like, yeah. it's all been freshly flooded. So, there's no, um, there should be sort of not much difference around the whole dam. It's all gone through the same transformation. Exactly. Um, and that, like, when I was there, I fished it a few years ago on the AYC, Um we managed to take a second place there, but it was all hopping the vibes and it had just established established weed and all that sort of stuff. So it was, um, yeah, a different fishery. And now that water level's risen, um, something that those yellow belly were so consistent with was that weed. But yep. that, that'll take ages for that to form. You've got to, all that freshly flooded stuff will have to die off first. Um, and the, the weed that's been there for years and years will have to start forming again up on the edges before they'll get consistent fishing like the conditions were years ago. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's interesting and that's, that's, that's the other thing I was going to get to is was it such a quality fishery because it was so stable because the weed was there which brings life it brings food yeah. those fish feed on that food will windermere just turn into now what every other lake is like because there's the reason there is no wet i think there could be landscape and temperature and the whole ecosystem and environment in that area that does give it such good weed growth but 
I imagine that if every other lake throughout stayed as stable as Windermere did, you would see more weed growth in nearly every lake. Yeah, definitely. You'd see more clarity. You'd see yep. more bait. You'd see more minnows. You'd see more yabbies because of the stability. Yeah, that's right. Windermere yeah. will not be like that anymore if they let it rise and drop, which I imagine with what they've done now because it was a choice to keep Windermere at that level. It must yeah. have been a, a, something to do with water sharing or a plan. Now they've gone, no, we can fill it up. If they consistently run Windermere like this now, it'll go up and down like a yo-yo like every other lake does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it will be different for sure. I, I think if you think it's going to be the same, I think you're probably going to be rudely mistaken. Um, yeah, it's it's funny how it was just by choice that they could leave that dam at that low level for so long and it took a little bit of pushing for people to say, stop letting the water out and let it fill. Yeah. Uh, and now, yeah, 20 years on, we're seeing levels that we've never ever seen before. And I think it's because of the issue with Burundong, which you think would never, ever, ever happen again, but they were in dire straits. Yeah. Um, they were going to ship, weren't they going to ship water just for the town to drink? Anyway, just before it started filling up. Um, so anyway, that's that's two scenarios there that we talk about though. We've got the whole fact that uh, this concentrations of fish thing and that's why I talk want to talk about it because, for example, Burrenjack, I find it fishes best from like 50 to 40% because yeah. there's so much water there at a certain height, it like spreads. It just disip- it just goes for Gets miles. Gets out of the flats and yeah, really goes. It just yeah. goes. A meter, like, meter of water goes a long way. And it's just these fish just uh, could be anywhere and it's just a concentration thing. So I believe that good fishing is also a result of more fish in less water. Yeah. And people are like, well, it's shooting a fish in a barrel, but it's more like the opposite is how do you find a fish in this massive expanse of water? You've got um, to cover the water. You've got to, yeah, be a bit more methodical, I suppose, and cover that water as best you can. Like, and yeah. Exactly. So if you compare Windermere to somewhere like Burrenjack or Blaring, you know, it's tiny in comparison. Yeah. Um, it was tiny in comparison. Now yeah. it's a much bigger body of water. And I think those fish will actually lose quality. Um, because the reason people love that joint is that the color of the fish, the quality of the fish, the excellent fishing, the visual fishing, and the number of yeah. fish. Their quality yeah. has already started to slow down, and I don't know whether being low for so long and slowly dropping the food source maybe was dropping off. Maybe the quality of fish will get good for the next year or two while well, it has filled up. Or are they having to move more to get to that food? Are they losing their condition a bit? Are they burning it off instead of just being stationary and having plentiful food at their at their doorstep? You know. Like, yeah. The you, other. Th- sorry, keep going. Um, just I'm just uh, talking about the banks back when it was low, like when the water was that clear and you got the right angle with your Polaroid sun um, sunglasses on, like the fish you would see, it was insane. Like, wasn't it? crazy 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 and yeah even not to be for the pressure it had when i fished it back in that the ayc um we'd come across a bunch of fish in probably floated in shallow in a bay in probably six to seven foot of water those fish were seen a whole bunch of big yellows in there and most of the time you would spook them but we just electric out of that bay got out into about 12 13 foot of water car zx blades and hop vibes through that shallow water and Mate, they were like that. Yeah, you could watch them come up and eat your ZX blade. It was just, yeah, it was unreal. That's crazy. Yeah. In cool, a good... Cool fishery, mate. I heard stories about it. And I was just like, even if one of those stories comes true when I'm down there, it'll be epic. And 
Yeah, it definitely was. It was crazy. Isn't it interesting? And then the other thing I think is that with this rise, they will probably put on condition for a couple of years, but then they might lose it as it starts to go up and down all the time. Yeah, definitely. The, o- the other that- thing, it um, sorry, the other thing I was going to say is um, that the that they've started to lose class over the last few years. People have been saying that there's a lot more forties in there, but I reckon yep. what could be happening is the older fish could be dying. And those stocked fish are starting to grow through, so it's sort of going through a, a rebuild situation yeah. as well. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting. Um, if, if they are dying, are people seeing them? Like, if people, are they floating up? Those 62, 65 centimetre yellows down there, they float up. We the see top. them float every trip. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, There's floaters every trip. I haven't, I haven't witnessed trip. that myself. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's right. Are they? I don't fish it enough, but people who fish it week in, week out, do they consistently see... Yeah, Dead fish is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, old age or bad catch and release, who knows? Yep. So, they, they definitely got to die old age someday. They're that big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Especially yeah. when they get caught as well. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the the levels here. It was 100,000 and it has, it's been 100,000 meg for ages. Um, back to 2000 and oh, what are we looking at here? 040. Uh, two hundred. So it was a hundred thousand before it filled up. Yeah. Um. It got to two hundred thousand, like, uh, two thousand sixteen. But anyway, it's gone from a hundred thousand meg to three hundred thousand meg. So it's three, three times the body of water. water. Yeah. Yeah. And in elevation, it's gone from three. Uh, sorry, it's gone from five hundred thirty-four meters elevation to five hundred fifty. So yeah, yeah. 534 meters, it's gone 16 meters in elevation. Yeah. That's a yeah. massive amount of water. Crazy amount of water. When you spread it over banks that aren't 16 meters straight up and down, they sort of spread. Yeah, that'll go a long way for sure. Flooding so anyway. All, all them sucker and trees and stuff like that. And just, I think, um, I think the bait fish thrive in those, those flooded, um, they those do. flooded banks. Um, the yabbies and stuff like that. I had a, Guy asked me, um, we used to fish hopping vibes and stuff out at Chaffee back when it was lower, like 40% lower. And um, he's just like, oh, so when, when that water level rises really quickly through the winter time and all those yabbies are in hibernation and they go hibernate five metres deep and then the water comes up another 10 metres, are they coming out at 15 metres? Oh, what's the go? And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, mate. You'd, you'd want to look into that. I'm sure they'd probably move as the water level's rising. Yeah, they would feel it for sure. Yeah, and I've seen it up at um, Coped and I think it was late August last year. We were kicking yabbies in the shallows and watching the dam rise real quickly then. So, they were on the move and coming up through the grass. Yes, which makes yeah. it a smorgasbord to feed because they've got De- no home. They've yeah, got to rebuild. Definitely. Yeah, and they were all, they weren't, there wasn't any big yabbies in them. They were all about that sort of 50 to 60 mil long, perfect snack yeah. size. Yes. So... Yeah. I imagine a fishery that has done this will fish really well for a couple of seasons, but it'll be interesting to see what happens as they, I imagine, will make the dam go up and down um, unless they go back to a consistent level at 80%, which then it will rebuild the weed and fish the same. But you've got to remember, let's just say you've got twice the amount of bank now. Yeah. Um, It gets stocked quite heavily too, doesn't it? Does Windermere? It does. It's like 75,000 a year or something of... I'd have to check, but I it does for its size. Freshwater fishing mag, I've just sort of skimmed over how many fish get stocked in certain waterways every year. And um, yeah, I remember looking at that and just being like, wow, there's some fish in there. <laughs> like getting, yeah. getting fish put in there fairly often. So yeah. 
So that's um, just an interesting thought um, because you could have a lake like you've got split rock and you've got keep it and the reason, one of the big reasons one might be fishing better than the other is just your numbers of fish. If you've got 10% of the fish in one that's in the other, well, technically, you're going to catch 10% as a rounded average. You're going to catch one fish to every 10. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just it and just, yeah, that time of the water, what I spoke about early on, like if you can nut down them spots where there's little purple patches of fish, like, yeah, I think you'll have it all to yourself because no one else is out there there or out there struggling. I bet you they don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, Chaffee, tell us about Chaffee. What kind of lake is that like? It's only small. Yeah, it's only small, so um, it's up near Township of Nundal, um, about a 45-minute drive from home here for me to fish it, and as are most of the other dams, keeping Split Rock are the same. Um, but yeah, it's small, it's our water for our town, so um, that and our Dungown Dam, not allowed to fish Dungown Dam, but Chaffee we can. Um, yeah, just a small waterway, big big main basin area there where the skiers love to annoy the hell out of you uh, in the warmer months, and then um, yeah, there's... And once you get out of the main basin, it goes into an eight-knot area and then it goes up into the river arm, um, which is, yeah, that's where most fishermen end up going once it starts to warm up a little bit anyway, get away from the the boats and the jet skis and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great fishery. There's some bloody big silver perch in there. They're the holy grail in there for me. Yeah. yeah um, good. That's what I want to talk about in a sec. Keep going. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, and the yellows in there, yeah, good good population of yellows. We're struggling at the moment to get onto them um, with any consistency, but the fish we are catching are good fish, like, um, yeah, 55s and stuff like that, which is great fish for out of Chaffee. No one's cracked a 60 out of Chaffee. I think 58s and 57s are about the biggest that I've heard of out of there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it takes to get them. To 60. Interesting, there, isn't or it? Or whether it's a genetic thing, whether we don't have the, the same genetic strain that the yellows are down there at Windermere, whether it's food, whether it's weed, whether it's the water quality, I don't know. But yeah, they, they're still great fish. They're solid, they're thick, they're, um, yeah, they're great fish regardless. Isn't it weird how a lake there, you've got great quality fish, like they're really, are they fat? Yeah, yeah, thick through fat. the shoulders, yeah. Healthy fish, they stop at 57, yet yep. Windermere's fish will get to, you know, I've seen them at 66, but more commonly yeah. 62, 63, yeah. and Burrandong's fish more consistently get over 65, wow. blaring, they get to 65, There's, they get to 60 quite regularly, and then and you've got places... They thick fish as well, like they're... Blaring's like, are super thick, yeah. Yeah, wow, that would be Not exciting. as thick as... Um, Windermere's are the thickest. Yeah. Barrandongs are hit and miss. Like you have some that are sort of poorer condition, some that are really, really, really good condition. Um, Blaring's are very similar. They're all pretty good condition. Uh, jacks are less, got less condition on them, but rarely will you find one over 60. Yeah, okay. Let's sort of get to that 58, 9 with a couple into the 60s, but yep. not many. And then you've got Eildon. Eildon's a really thick fish too once they get bigger as well. Um, and they'll get into the 60s here and there as well. So, it's, it's just weird. Yeah. yeah. Hume, Hume's fish are probably the biggest. They get well and truly into the high 60s. Yeah. Yeah, great fish. Ch- Chaffee's got that, like a, a, a good fish out of Chaffee's, just sort of anything over that 50 centimetre mark. They're starting to really get the, the thick shoulders, a bit of power behind them. And yeah. They're, Maybe they will get there Maybe. eventually. We're still waiting. I'll, I'll keep catching them. I'll keep trying to search them out. <laughs> but yeah. 
No, it's good. It's good fun, mate. It's great. Great little fishery. Um, can be. It's situated in the mountains, so you can have it nice and fine at home. You can get up there, and it can be windy, but sometimes you can have it um, windy at home and get up there, and it's a glass out. So yeah, yeah, it's a nice spot. And just don't don't use the boat ramp that council is so nicely put in for us. It's um yeah, it's practically flat. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've read that. I yeah. read. Is it only new? Oh, it's been there for a little while, but. I thought you'd have to have some type of um, like standard that a boat ramp angle be um, at where they put it was a flat bay area and yeah, like you open the door of the cruiser when you put your boat in and um, your door's about three inches off the surface of the water. Holy dooly. So what do you just put in off the bank instead? Yeah, just found another spot to put in off the bank, but the more guys use that, it will be uh, yeah, it'll be less a less feasible option for sure. It's it just, oh, yeah. yeah, it's a pain and Someone with a like a two wheel drive car, or even just like a standard Ute dropping a big ski boat in, like mate, they're going to have some serious dramas. Well, where did you used to launch? Well, back yeah, it used to have a lower water level. It's okay uh, if you got two blokes, but yeah, now if you go out there and try and do it by yourself, and yeah, you just got to make sure you're wearing shorts and yeah, yeah, toughen up and get in the water, or yeah, it, it's just a pain, mate, and it's such a, a letdown for like just a good. A quality ramp there would just make it that much more visited, I think, for people, and that much easier going. Like they don't even have like a little pontoon, like Copeton up there. You go up there, they got a a great ramp and a little pontoon normally to tie your boat up to after you've launched, and like you're yep. just like, yeah, that's that's what needs to be happening. But no, yeah. What's um, what height is Chaffee at? Chaffee'd be sitting at a hundred now, constantly, and then. What is it when it's lower? Like, is there a boat ramp? That boat ramp, same ones. A you just get a lot more rockier, rockier banks. Yeah. Oh, you can, just put it in. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there is an old steeper one, but it would be yeah. The old, the old level before Chaffee got built up was um, the level now is sixty percent. Like that would have been the old before 100. it got built up. Yeah. Yeah, long way. Yeah, long way away. So it's holding an extra forty percent of water than what it used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Are they caught in there? Yep. Yeah. I actually caught one yesterday, yesterday morning. Yeah, right. A little one. Yeah. Little fella, probably oh, in the 50s, I'd say. You wouldn't have poked 60, but yeah, I was just like, that'd be right. Exactly when the season's over, these fellas start nibbling on your lures. And I got one out there last year that was a 71. Same thing in the in the closed season on the squirrel as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, there's quite a few caught in there. And if you target them, um, yeah, you can normally get a hit or yeah, get an encounter off one of them in the winter out there yeah tell us about these silvers this is what i really want to talk about i'm yeah. coming up to chase them that oh. just looks epic yeah they're crazy I, I wish i could tell you a spot and a technique to use to really nut them out we're just they seem to eat the squirrels they've eaten blades and stuff before as well but um there's no sort of select spot i spend a lot of my time fishing the western foreshores area which is the flatter gradually sloping banks and I encounter a few over there, but you can catch them on the steep banks as well. They're, they're just that real hard species. They're nut down. If you're going out there to target them, I just yeah, I just say just fish for the yellows, mate. And cross your fingers yellows, and toes. Yeah. yeah. Do you know when you've hooked a silver? Yeah, yeah. How good is that? They yeah. are. They, they, they just don't give up. Like a yellow sort of, he might go for a little bit, and then he's all head shakes, and might go for another little run when he gets back to the boat. But the silvers just they just don't know to give up and you, you <laughs> hey. don't catch a little one out there either which is 
odd. They're like massive. they must be older stocked fish. Like they're sort of always that forty-five centimeters, and I know some young guys have got them out there to sort of like fifty-eight centimeters long. Like, and they're just the small little eyes and small little head with a small little mouth, and then you got this massive body and big gut on, and you just like you just look unproportional. Yeah, yellows look unproportional to start with. Yeah, silvers yeah. are worse. Yeah, tiny little hard mouths, and yeah, they're just you hear them like when they when they're written about, they talk about them turning into herbivores, and maybe they do, but maybe coming out of winter, they need a little bit extra food to sort of kick them into gear. Yeah. So that's when they might prey on those those bait fish style lures, like the squirrel and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you don't catch them in other places. Like there's silver perch in Blaring. I would never have seen one, and no one, I don't know anyone who's caught one. But yeah, I read an old article about Windermere having silvers. Yeah, they got silvers. Yeah, yeah. And like sight fish and fly gear. Yep. In amongst the weed, and and it's funny that so many blokes go down there and smash the yellows, and you never hear much about a big silver getting caught out of there. But I suppose they are. They just mightn't be getting spoke about. Well, yeah, or they just weed, they just eat, I don't yeah. know what they eat, you know what I mean? Like, that's yep. why I'm surprised you actually catch them with a little, not consistency, but you catch them a little bit more than you would down here. Um, yeah, I think just, I got three, three or four last year out of Chaffee. And yeah, see, that's a lot. Do, doing a season out there, like if you got one or two, I'd consider you, yeah, you're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just interesting. I wish they did it everywhere because that'd be an epic species, extra species to have on our list to target. Cause yeah, I wish there was a waterway somewhere where they only stock silver perch. I'd give them a good crack. Yeah. I'd spend yep. some time on them for sure. That's, yeah. They used to um, stack up in our um, Peel River. There used to be a stack of them in there, but they've sort of... Oh, you're obviously not catching them on lures, but you don't hear of them getting caught on worms or shrimp and that either. It just seems to be... I don't know, they just have peaks and lulls in the populations at times. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see a resurgence with these um with good rain and the river levels like being clean and high and might be a resurgence of the native fish population in the coming years. Yeah, def- you'd think so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Whether they all spread out or where they end up is another story, but I'm sure they're they're having a great spring and this is like our normal years, we should be having increased rainfall and raised water levels in the spring and that's what triggers them to do their little runs and do their thing so yeah we just need the rain to stop once it gets warm in summer yeah yeah that's Um, a hard thing so do you think you have you caught them on plastics silvers i can't just trying to think i don't probably don't i don't think i have they probably don't get the jig head the single point down whereas when they whack a and they yeah, the treble. And, and a lot of the jerk baits, mate, are always in the like the the side of the face. They're not all they're not scoffed or like it, yeah. a yellow can line them up pretty good and suck them suck yeah. them down. But silver just seems to be more like the dart out and swipe at it. Yeah, and that's why they hook up because you get trebles. Yeah, and that's why when they're hooking up, they peel and drag for about five meters before they finally pull up. Yeah, because it's hooked on the side of the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus they are goers. Yeah, they are they absolute are. goers. Yeah, you're fishing the shallow edges and you're just like um, with the squirrels and you're brushing through a bit of like the flooded debris and that like and they just come out and just snatch it and they just put you straight back into that into the debris. Have you lost like, yeah, fish we, there? Yeah, I've seen Blake. I, I watched a mate of mine. Um, yeah, he's fishing the smaller squirrel, the 61, which only gets down to about four foot. And he's like, I just want to catch a, I just want to catch a silver. So I said, right, we'll 
we'll go over this bank and I think we'd caught two off this um, area before. We went through there and I was watching his line. It was still morning, watching his line as he's like just got his, cranked his lure down, gave it a few jerks and just sat it there. And I watched his line and I watched the, the tweet go in the line as the fish sucked that lure back. And I'm just like, yeah, mate, you're on. And he's just sort of like fairly slow on the uptake. And I'm just like, you want to get up him? And the line just went straight. Like this fish yeah. grabbed, grabbed the lure and was heading for home. And then he just slowly lifts his rod up and there it goes. Gone. And he said, you reckon that was a silver? And I said, yeah, I reckon that was your chance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, um, That'd be a fun fish to catch. Yeah, they're pretty cool, mate. They're just, um, yeah, they're, they're a great bycatch. You sort of know straight away. You're just like, oh, what's this? This is something different. Yeah. It's like yeah. hooking a trout cod went down here. We've got the trout cod in the river with the Murrays. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, actually, it's not... Obviously, when you hook up, you're like, yeah, it's a silver. Whereas when we hook up, we're like, oh, it's like 80, 90 metery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it could be a 70 centimeter trouty. Yeah, they um, go that hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. They They're go on hard. They add about. Got to get down on them. They add about 30 centimeters, I reckon. Yeah, there you go. Wow. So you go, you hook a 40 centimeter or a 50 centimeter trouty, and you think it's like an 80 centimeter Murray. Yeah, and they don't. Easy. They don't get as big. Like, what's a big trouty? Like a 90? Uh, yeah, I've seen we caught an eighty. A big trout is seventy five. Yeah, like a, a good like you, that's your upper class trout. That'd be like your meter cod is seventy. Yeah, wow. Seventy, yep. seventy five, and then you know you get meter twenties in cod. Yep. I've seen them up at eighty. I think I've seen high eighties yeah, or ninety one wow. or something. But like Incredible I've only seen a fish. F- yeah, photos of like a couple in the eighties. Like yeah. really, we got. I've photo- photographed one at 80, but my biggest is 74. Yep. Um, but and they, they do, have... They, they're just bycatch. Like, they don't have yep. a different character. They don't sit, like, shallow. They do. Or, oh, they do. Yeah. They sit in faster water, yep. Yeah, righto. So, they sit in faster water, but the water that we fish, the section that we fish of river is where they've stocked them on the Murrumbidgee. They've stocked them on the Upper Murray, and they've yep. stocked them further down on the Murray. Um, the section on the Bidgee, that whole section of river is quicker. So yeah. there's not as many Murrays through there. So we kind of just fish every bit of log because there's current everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah. And no wonder yeah. they go hard then if they're just a fast water loving fish. Yeah, that's why they call them a trout cod because they're pretty much like a trout but Hold, in the body yeah, of the right. cod. Yeah, right. There you go. Like they hold him fast. They still sit on logs though. They don't just sit in open water and yeah, swim yeah. around like a trout. They got the yeah. same characteristics as cod. It's just they'll sit nose up into like fast flowing cold water. Yeah. Um. They'll sit on mid river snags and they'll go like a train. Yeah, that's cool. That's so much fun. Definitely that's on so the good. list. Yeah, I have oh. to get down there, get amongst them. They pull so you know you've got one, or your fingers across for a metery because like it's pretty rare to get a big Murray through that section. So we're always hoping that's what it is. But you like got this fish on, you're like this thing has got to be big and yeah, you pull yeah. it up. You're like, you... And they get this right. You know how cod, you pull a cod up, it comes up. Every time it comes up, usually its mouth's open. Yeah. Especially a river fish, like its mouth will be open. It's trying to yeah, get yeah. rid of it. Yeah. Trouties, lock there. They've got a shut jaw, like a locked jaw. Yeah, yeah. There pull them in the boat, yeah. jaw's locked. Yeah, you need, right. Yeah, yeah. You're almost like... It's like... Got a prize almost, open. Yep. One bloke's got to grab his top limb and his body limb and pull it open. You can feel wow. the pressure. Like, you go like that and you're like, quick, get it out. Like... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the whole time, even once you pull their mouth open, they just shut jaw. So if you go to do like a 
thumb in the mouth grip, they just they're just the jaws back shut on your thumb again. Wow. As hard as it can. Yeah. I've yeah, almost cool. landed one on a blade. He grabbed the spinnerbait blade, fought oh, wow. all the way to the surface. And I'm like, this guy's got the blade. Like I obviously had the blade the whole time. Fought him up in the current, got to the surface, and I'm looking at him like, he's not even hooked. And then wow. the blade fell out as he kicked at the boat. And there's like wow. big teeth marks in the blade. Yeah, that's what they're they're mad fish. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anyone really talk much about them, obviously, being up this way, but yeah. Yeah, we've cool done heaps. Fish. Yeah. I've caught a lot of them. Quite and a lot that stocking program obviously worked well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just That's just the water they used to be in before they removed all the tim, like the snags and that back years ago. And yeah, and they're, they're just they're they're, re-snagging it now, aren't they, down your way? Do they? Uh, yeah, in pockets, yeah. 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 Not, not as much as you'd think. They do more on the Murray. Um, yeah, that, that sort of stuff's lost up here. I don't know. Yeah, what's happening up here? There, uh, I know up in the upper reaches of the Namoi River, which is the McDonald River. It runs down and forms into the Namoi, but they're devegetating it up there, like getting rid of those, the, all the willows and stuff like that that have been there for years and years. I know they're introduced and they're not supposed to be there, but I think they're just part of the river and they're definitely making a great mess getting rid of them. Don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know they're not good for the water, but yeah, it's kind of some sort of cover for, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they definitely spend a lot of money getting rid of them, that's for sure, but they're, they're not putting anything back. Back. Mm, so you that's go the from having issue. a yeah, willow on a river bend that was shading it or that had some sort, sort of cover and now all of a sudden it's just uh, open. <laughs> yeah, and the willow, even though it's not right, it still changes the flow yeah. Flow movements, food movements. Um, I don't know. They wouldn't erode the bank. Like once a willow's grown, it would hold the bank together. Yeah, hold it together, yeah. So you've also got erosion and no shade and no movement in flow. You've just got quick water on the outside of bends, which and, yeah, doesn't make sense. And they sense. were always awesome for, um, in the Peel River in general, they were always awesome for um, yabbies and shrimp. Um, yeah. We just, you, when you go swimming, you get in under those overhangs of the willows. And yep. You get like a small, like a butterfly catcher net, and you just like shuffle them through the through the underneath of the willows, the overhang, like in the water, all the yep. all the roots and that are hanging down, and mate, there's there's so many like not big yabbies or not big shrimp, but so many shrimp and yabbies around that sort of twenty five to thirty mil long. Yeah, and like the, so the fish that they would support. Um, yeah, I think that's. Your healthy rivers have got food for, yeah, all the way from your small all the way up to your big fish. It's a weird debate, that willow one, because they're pulling them out everywhere down here too. And yeah. you go, well, you got to put something back. Like, I know they're not meant well, to be there. Yeah, what but, was there before they turned up? she Yeah. Yeah, we need to, like, there needs to be something in there because as bad as they are for sucking the water out. I think that's why they're doing it because they drink so much water. Yeah. Um, I wonder what those, how much water those big um, like red gums. river gums and that are sucking out because yeah, they're, yeah. they're quite a substantial tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just a part of the, what the river is. Yeah, that's like, it. Trees, trees grow and... along your rivers because <laughs> the water's yep. there. Yeah, that's but just the, how it goes. The willows are epic. We've caught some of our biggest... You know the biggest cod on the whole band is living under that because like yeah. shade, food, cover. We've, yeah. we've hooked some massive cod in willows and they've jammed us up real good. Yeah, and that's, um, they, they love that reaction too. Like if, if a cod lives in under that willow, even getting your lure caught in that willow, like and 
like giving it a shake. It's just like ringing the dinner bell at times. Like, mate, the, yeah. the hits you get when that lure finally drops in after that, it's like he's been waiting in there and getting stirred up like while you're shaking your lure free. Have you had that happen? Yeah, yeah. I even had that lure teabagging into the water while you're sort of shaking the willow having them buff it like just like an inch under the water and you're just like geez i hope it comes free here shortly that's cool <laughs> yeah no nah, it's pretty yeah river fishing's pretty entertaining around homie yeah for sure um we're going a bit off topic but that's fine because awesome that, chat can yeah. we <laughs> can we talk about uh spring yellows yeah. what do you do through spring how do you approach them from now early through to October, November, obviously in your waterways, but you could apply this to others. What are your go-to lures? Um, how do you nut them out? Yeah. yeah. So, go, process. go to you definitely. For? I think evolve from fishing early on, um, having yellows follow you into the boat with a floating lure and having to stop it and watch it float out of his face. I think that sort of made me evolve into jerk baits. Um, originally started fishing the X-Rap, uh, the deep oh yeah uh, 06 I think it is the Rapala X-Rap the X-Rap 06 yep um, with a feather tail on the rear of it and you can also a good thing about the feather tail is you can add a little bit of scent to that too so if they're sitting there practically oh, yeah. nosing that lure they're getting a sniff as well so yeah that, that used to be something I used to use a lot I've still got a lot of them um, but now the squirrels just seem to be um, a bit more uh, they keep their line while you're jerking it a bit more. The X-Raps seem to blow out a little bit. Sometimes they'll blow out and sort of swim on their side and come deeper, whereas a squirrel seems to hold its depth. Yeah. Um, but they're, like, the squirrels are fairly straightforward lure to use. Just You're just jerking it on those slack line. Um, so do you, is that you retrieve the whole way? Do you slow roll yeah. at all or you twitch on the whole I'll way? I'll get it down to depth at times. Yep. Um, get it down to about that two meters, 1.8, um, and then just, yeah, jerk, regain the slack, jerk. The thing, with the live scope, sometimes now you can um, you can see what they prefer. Sometimes when they rush up behind it and then they stop, sometimes a quick little jerk away from them straight as they approach it will get them to eat, and then other times it can just be just letting it sit there and let it take, like let their patience wear, wear thin and then they end up eating it anyway. It's just... That's one cool. good thing about that technology that some of the stuff that you can't see normally with your own eyes, you're seeing it on the screen and you get a bit of an idea of what those fish are doing. But yeah, um, as for an approach to just the spring season, you're pretty well just trying to find that warmer water and you're just trying to, you're fishing up shallow. And by shallow, I mean if you're fishing like in those prime times, if you're boats in any more than three and a half meters of water i think you're starting to get a little bit too deep yep um i like long parallel casts along the banks more so than um 90 degree to the bank that we see a lot of the bass fishing guys use yep um yeah and that's probably my main lure up early and then once the day gets on and the sun gets up a little bit i think those same fish that are that were up on those shallow edges just push out a little bit deeper and I can target them with with vibes and stuff like that out in that water that's yeah, deeper than three and a half, but I wouldn't pursue them sort of much deeper than sort of five or six in between that three and a half to five and six metres of water. I think they're happy hanging in that springtime. So in that morning p- period when you're casting parallel, are you casting on a little tiny bit of an angle and yeah. or are you fishing? So you, you hold tiny the boat in little three. Bit of angle. Yeah, like so I'm, you- I'm just trying to think how much of an angle you like 10 degrees so you, or something like so you sit the boat in three and you cast into like two 
yeah, one and a half, even ones, stuff like that. You just if you want if you want that jerk bait to stay higher, you've just got to raise that rod tip up, change the angle of the line down to that lure. Yep. And that lure might cut if you know you're going to run it in over one and a half meters of water or one meter of water for a little bit. You just hold that rod tip up a little bit higher, change the depth of that lure. And then as it gets out deep, you just drop your rod tip down near the water level and you just know it'll be getting down to about two meter depth then. Yeah, so you wanna be so you wanna be working that depth of like two and a half, you think the fish yeah. are and they'll come up yeah. off the bottom. And, and I think e- even if they're deep, I think they're sort of looking up shallow. They're waiting for that bait Food. to move out of that shallow and they just yeah, they they rush up and grab it. Yeah. Do you get many up in a meter? Yeah, yeah, really? we've got spots yeah. there. Yeah, spot I call Jerkbait Island. It's just, um, I think shallowest it probably gets to is, you know, yeah, probably one point two. But yeah, always good yellows come off of it every year. You just got to be yeah. a bit. It's a bit touchy how you fish it, and you can spook fish and ruin the whole spot pretty easy. So yeah, yeah, they're right definitely on. up there feeding, mate, for sure. It, I think yeah. yeah, that shallow water stuff is something that we sort of haven't dived into enough just yet. Uh, and that. That retrieve, go back to that retrieve, you crank it down and then the entire retrieve is, a, say you don't have any live tech to watch, you're just fishing, Yeah. your entire retrieve is twitch, pause, yeah. twitch, pause, all the way back. There's yeah. no slow roll in it at all? No, you no don't slow find. roll, not always twitch and always stop, start, stop, start. How long do you stop or you mix that up? You can mix that up. If what you think you, if you right. had one that followed and all the way to the boat and you want him to get him to eat, if you had, didn't have the live tech or anything like that, you, your pauses couldn't be, yeah, 30 seconds. Don't, don't be, I said it to um, a guy I took out fishing yesterday morning. I said, don't don't be in a rush to get your lure into the boat. Yep. Like the, you, the lure's most um, beneficial component is that suspend, so use that. And... When, how, what's the twitch like? What's the jerk? Is it like straight rod straight down or rod tip out to the side and down? Yeah, rod tip out to the side or down. Depends on yeah, how you're comfortable. Um, yeah. I end up rattling Pretty mine aggressive. against. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's quite aggressive. But you can change that on the day as well. Um, sometimes they like it subtle, just like little pulls, and you're not, you try not to move that lure sort of much more than, say, half a metre each, each sort of strike and like each time you're jerking that rod sometimes you can do yep. a little jerk sometimes you can do big jerks they'll sort of the fish will guide you of what they like and then just vary it up don't get if you're fishing a bank don't sort of get stuck in the same groove just like do fish 50 meters and do small jerks or whatever and small pauses and then you might do small jerks with longer pauses for the next bit of bank and then you might do Bigger jerks and shorter pauses, like keep it moving, keep it more aggressive, yeah. keep them hunting it. But you just, you just got to try and think when you catch that fish. You just got to have that mindset of you know what you're doing. Yeah, Which when yeah, it's quiet, yeah. that's the hardest thing to do. To remember um, what you're doing. Yeah, if you're just in the grind, jerk, jerk, pause, jerk, pause, jerk, jerk, pause, oh, I'm on. and what then oh, I'm on. oh, what made that? different like what i fished yeah. that same sort of water and what made that different did i just come across a fish or was i just doing something, something just right yeah it's and a funny love, game isn't it they love the deflection out of the brush it's you get hung up but the, that's one thing that sticks in my mind when you feel the lure like ticking through the tops of the brush every now and again yeah when it comes clear that pause once it comes clear that just gets nailed straight away so many times. 
That's good as a eh? yeah. No, it's something exciting. I haven't done a heap of. I've done a heap more on plastics. Uh, I've done a little bit, but not a stack. Yeah, well, I'd be the opposite. I've done a lot on jerk, and I'm just yeah touching into the plastic side of things the last couple of years. And um, yeah, it, it's different again. It's just that new challenge. It's um, yeah, cool trying to work it out. What what's the exact jig head weight and hook size that works best? And yeah, how you get them? How do you get get a following fish to eat, or even just like people think that the soft plastics are just for live scope and putting it on their nose all the time. Oh, but no what, way. Yeah, we, you catch them fishing the edges exactly the same. Like, yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah. Yeah, people get, get shoeboxed into one thing and or one mindset and they just, they're happy. That sticks in their mind. That's what they're for. You, what do you mean you're casting gulps at the edges? And you're just like, yeah, yeah, mate, they're still catching them. Yeah, we've been but, doing that for a while. It's good fun. It yeah, works really well too. Nothing more natural than like a the silence of a soft plastic, like a lightly weighted soft plastic. If it's casted long with the wind at your back, like mate, they yep. they haven't got a clue you're even there. Yep. So yeah. good. Yeah, no, it's a cool way of fishing. Um, what you were saying there about the jerk bait, I think I cut you off, but you were talking about you've smacked. You were going to say. a were you going to say I've smacked the rod tip into the side of the boat a few times? Yep, yep. Livescope <laughs> pole, sounder, electric, yep. all that. Yeah. Just yeah, touching all, down. Yeah. It's on the slack line too. The, you get the rod speed up with the slack line. Yeah. You're just giving it that sharp jab and then you're stopping. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, some people always have to have tight lines and how they work their lures and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think that, that real aggressive and – like real quick jerk, just like I think it gets their attention from a long way off and you'll see fish on the live scope. It tells you to – it shows you that the fish will come from a long way, like them sharp jerks. Like, mate, you'll have fish move two and a half, three metres to come up and eat a lure. Yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. just notice it. Whereas I think if you rolled it through there, it would probably not get as much attention, but that stop and the jerk and they're just like, oh, hello, something's going on with this bait fish up here. I think yep. I'll be able to catch this one. I'll just sneak up behind it here and once it moves again, I'm going to scoff it. Go back to one more question I got um, for people trying to imagine the uh, the retrieve. Yep. That that twitch, are you – so you, 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 you do your twitch. Do you pause on slack line and then are you twitching with a belly of line so that that yeah. you're picking up all the slack and then it's coming tight really quick and it's it, the lure's like darting. That's so it's right, not, yeah. The lure's not moving. It's not like you're going from tight line to then twitch, twitch, and the entire rod tip's moving the lure the entire distance. Your actual half your twitch is you picking up the slack. That's and then right. The slack picks up quick and the lure actually darts really quick. Yeah, yeah, perfect, right. yeah. Yeah. And so you leave it sitting there on slack line, so you've got yeah. to wait for the fish to tick it and strike. Yeah, and this, you just watch that little loop in your line. You just – and it's – it's much easier to see than it is to feel. Feel, like, right. Yep. So, you're watching. Yeah. And if, if they hit you on slack line on a jerk bait anyway, um, like it's it's a weird sensation, but you sort of know something's happened anyway. Like Because it shoots up. Yeah. Yeah. But the, and the best way like we find it, it chaffy and stuff like that is when you can predict like a fish coming out and eating your lure, like you've, you've got a, a spindly tree in about two and a half, three metres of water and you've cast past that tree. So your lure dives down to get to its depth as it's coming past. It's say six foot, 1.8, two metres, it's coming past that tree. Yeah. Just as you think that lure is about near that tree or just past, you 
you just do a pause and you're, you're sitting there like baited waiting for that tick in the line because you, you know that if there's a fish on that tree, I've just brought that lure down that perfect depth. Yep. And if he's going to eat, he's going to eat now and you're just watching your line and then straight as you see the tick, load up, fish on. That's epic. Yeah, it's cool fishing, mate. It's 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 such such a good way of fishing, and it's yeah, it it fools them. And yeah. another way I also go with the squirrels is I go. It's they're hard to find now. They're the squirrel seventy nine. They're the big squirrel. That's people are more familiar with barra. Um, they also bought out a one fifteen for the barra as well. But they yep. used to make a seventy nine mil squirrel, and they had bass hardware fitted to it, and not these. Hank tune hooks and bigger rings suited for the barra. Yep. And they're they're a little they'll get down deeper than the sixty seven squirrel. They'll get down to about that ten to twelve foot um, yep. on a long cast. And they're good for when those fish are just peeling off that edge early morning and yep. they're getting slightly deeper, you can fish that deeper lure and pick up a few later in the morning as well. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah. the one the main one you use is a sixty seven. Sixty seven, yeah, would account for probably yeah. 80, 90% of the fish for sure. And it swims 1.82. Yeah. 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 And some, yeah, nice. some of the local guys are um, up, like up in the treble size on them and getting that lure to slowly sink on the pause. Yeah. And, and that's, that's sometimes a critical component to get those fish to eat as well. Instead of just yeah. sitting there stationary, just that slow sink. And when I'm talking about the sink, it's a horizontal sink. It's not ass heavy and it's not front heavy. It takes yeah, a bit of tweaking to get it right and you can get it, try and get it right in your kitchen sink, put your lure in there and see how it sinks. But yeah, definitely that horizontal sink is, um, yeah, it works best. Yeah, because they think it's like a bait fish stop dying. and pause yep. and, and just slowly dropping to the bottom away yep. from them or dying. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Colours? Yeah, I just try, try naturals. Um but your black, even like your black and golds. But I like like the bait fish, like your your silvers and your whites and stuff like that. Um, yeah. If they made one in like a green pumpkin, that's like a bit of a soft plastic color I like, like a dirty green. Um, just like yep. yeah, I'm I'm a natural man, but I think color's the least of your Important. worry. Yeah. Yep. If you get it looking looking like a wounded bait fish and it's got the right profile and everything, um, I think the colours are lasting we need to be worrying about. Yeah, nice. And then, the, and then the strike, is it like a real quick hard strike or is it more of like a an, an even lean back into the fish but still fairly quick? You know what I mean? You're not whipping the rod to pick up that slack nah, to strike nah, them. You nah, kind of just lean wind up the them. slack and lean into it. Yeah, they're doing yeah. most of it themselves as well. They're yeah. uh, like that snatch and grab. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and if your lure come, if they miss it or your lure comes free, don't crank it in. Just twitch it and let it sit there again. Yep. Because what the live text taught me is like they might bump it and it scares the crap out of them and yep. you see them piss off back to where they come from and you're like, oh, well, he's done. And then you watch and watch and have a guess who comes back. He comes yeah. back up. Yep. Comes back up, you give it a twitch, stop, and you just let him come back, and yeah, next time around, you normally eat it a bit better. Yeah, that happens vertical when we're fishing for him too. Yeah. They'll spook themselves, but you drop it back past them, and they'll follow it again and come back and hit it again and yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's cool. But they're, yeah, we're, we're getting called cheaters for this live scope stuff, but we're, we're learning so much as well. Like, 
stuff that would take years and years or to get never yeah or never to get that one encounter where you learn something new like that yep yeah we're just saying that just we're learning so much about cod so much about yellows yeah how they behave and then i guess we can enjoy better sessions on the water even if we learn something and then it's it's i guess remember it's just it's just personal if you want to use it or not that's right it's just fishing for those who are listening um but the the learning from it is crazy yeah i've said to a lot of guys too if someone told me that i could use this technology and i wasn't allowed to fish with it i would still use it i would still spend the money to learn yes yeah yeah 100 percent. perfect mate um can we we're nearly done we'll let you go um have some lunch before you head off to work. You're right. Um, thanks for the chat. It's been really good. It's gone that quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Thanks for having me on, mate. It's um, yeah, good to have a chat about it. I'm pumped, pumped for the spring season. We're only yeah, we're only early here. Um, or it seems early. The waters should be yeah warming up a bit quicker than it is. But yeah, pumped, mate. It's a great time of year. Cool mornings. Awesome jerk bait fishing. You can't uh, can't beat it. Yeah, I'm I'm keen to hear. I know that they're sort of chewing. Well, they're working quite well at Windermere. Um, yeah. The suspending minnows, the jerk bait. So we're going to try that a bit with the plastics and mix it up down there. That'll be fun. Yeah. We're definitely. heading off there next week. Um, awesome. One more thing I wanted to ask you before we finish up, if that's all right. Yeah. Two more things. One one more thing and then one quick thing. Um, can you just talk a little bit about uh, what you have learned about the... I know we've touched on their behavior and the jerk baits and things like that. But what's one thing that you really keen to with yellow behavior it can be an early spring thing a mid spring thing a late spring thing whether you've witnessed it just from fishing or on the live tech what's a behavior of goldens that you've found fascinating is there anything you can think of something that you Uh, really pay attention to i know you just talked about how they'll follow come back you'll watch them come back is there anything else because i know you when it comes to the cod at wyangla every time you came back from a morning or an afternoon session you were talking about how they behaved what you're looking for in a spot yeah. Is there anything similar for Goldens? Yeah, I've probably taken it all for granted um, for what I see, but prop the I, was, I think I was talking to the guy I spoke, uh, fished with yesterday. Um, it's around the jerkbait side of things, and it, it, it also um, rings true with our hunting style of things, but they the focus that they get when they chase a lure, they... They come to the boat and they are in full view and we're worried about them spooking. Yeah. They're not even looking. They're not even focused on anything else but that lure and what how they're about to eat it. Like, Isn't it funny, eh? We're, we're holding our breath going, oh, he's just there, he's going to spook. And like he's just got eyes for one thing. Like, Isn't it funny? The same thing with a deer that if like when we call them in, we've fooled them that much into thinking that where like a we might be another deer in that area that it takes them like it takes a lot for them to realize it snap it, out it's all a setup yeah they, their brain just locks into that one mood yeah it's like a trance yeah yeah it takes a lot to snap them out of them like yeah i've had deer nearly run over the, the top of me or get within one meter of me and yeah you're just like you're not even thinking this is a setup yet yeah isn't that funny yellows yeah. are exactly the same yeah and I, and You'll see cod follow your lure into shallow water and you're just like, mate, you're going to spook here in a minute. 
and then all of a sudden he just sucks it in like you're not even there and you're just like yeah because he wasn't even focused like on what was happening around him he just had his eye on the prize yeah and they're good happens less with cod than it does with yellows though yeah i find they speak a little bit they they come to realize a little bit quicker but the yellows will follow you yeah right to the boat till the yeah. lure comes out of the water yeah 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 and then then yeah. they just hang around and wait for you to drop the lure back in and do it all again the next time and they still won't yeah eat. Yeah, they can yeah. be frustrating. <laughs> it can be good fun too, though. So yeah, that's good. Are you gonna do a bit of trout fishing? Ah, uh, yeah. A few mates of mine got on a few trout. Um, yeah, early on in the year. So I'll see if I can twist their arm to get me up into the tops and it's sort of an area that I don't mind walking around with a bow and arrow. So yeah, if I can add a bit of fishing to it, I think that would. Uh, yeah, that would suit me pretty good. Nice. But I haven't. I haven't pursued them all that much. Um, yeah, I've been to New Zealand before and seen a lot of big trout over there. And every time I walk a creek around here, I yeah, you're just like, oh, it's, they're a little bit small. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't compare. Yeah. Oh, so, but yeah, they're funny. good fun. I have caught them. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool environment up in those mountain streams around the blackberries and clear running stuff. It's um, yeah, it's a pretty cool way to fish. That's for sure. Nice. Um, one last thing between now and Chrissy, or between now and the end of the year, do you have any goals that you want to achieve? Oh, Anything you'd like to try? Tell you that's... one that I set myself every year is catch a silver out of Chaffee. <laughs> that would be <laughs> don't nice. You, do you achieve it every year? No, no, I don't. I watch blokes catch it, catch two or three around me some years and don't catch one myself and I'm pretty deflated. But um, yeah, that, that's a... If, it, if well, I could target it better, it'd probably be more of a, a challenge for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, they're that hit and miss. So like, you got four last year? Yeah, yeah. Right, but so you're saying I'll, you could I'll easily put, not get one this year? Yeah. I've wow. put feelers out for blokes. Like, I've asked the questions, like, anybody got any ideas on trying to make this, like, hit and miss a bit more hit? <laughs> with a lure? Yeah. And, like, yeah. a lot of guys um, approach me with the fly alternative, and I've got fly gear there, and I've just bought a few um, flies to ch- chuck at them. Um, Can but, you spot them? Can you spot sight them or it doesn't work like that you've actually still got to fish down the bank for them yeah you fish down the bank i don't i think with their water like the activity on the water up there you might be able to spot them in certain spots um but yeah just a bit of boat traffic and that probably puts them down a little bit deeper yeah. most of the time yeah but i've been told that i'm not allowed to use a fly rod and use live scope to to sort of put me fly in the right spot i reckon it's it's against the rules. Uh, uh, <laughs> too many rules, mate. I reckon you got to do it however you want to do it. Yeah. I thought Silver's that might be silver. better. Yeah. So, yeah. I haven't done the fly for a, a while. So, yeah, I've got to pick it up and start yeah, get, getting a bit better with the cast and with it. And, um, yeah, that, that's probably more so a goal for me because the silvers are just, yeah, chance I'd put it down to. There's a chance I might come across one of them. But if I could do a yellow on a fly out there, That'd be, That'd be cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take my rod to Windy, I reckon, see if I can do that. Yeah, if you get them right days, I think, yeah, definitely it would work. And there yeah. is some, something about the fly, like it's, yeah, it, it's just... Presents so well. Oh, it's and it dif- just different, like yeah, it, it can catch fish when other things just fail and fail and fail. You can do, yeah. you can mimic the fly as best you can with a plastic, with a jerk bait or anything and there's just yeah something about the movement of the fly or the material of the fly that makes it look natural or yeah there's something yep. about it so good yeah mate thanks for that well hopefully 
you achieve your goal for silver. Yeah, I'll be we'll following see. along. Yeah, we'll you'll see it. You'll see it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. We'll be watching along uh, with the reports. Also, um, thanks again to, and for those who are listening, Adam, you're a part of our uh, social fishing team. You write a report on Chaffee, Split Rock, Keep It, and the surrounding rivers for the Tamworth region inside the reports, inside the membership. Um, yeah. So, we'll definitely see if you get a silver in that report, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, hopefully a few more yellows too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you can follow along with uh, updates from Adam inside the report. And I just want to say thanks while I've got you here, mate, for uh, jumping on board. I reckon you've been writing our Tamworth report for be over 12 months now, I reckon. Yeah, hopefully I'm getting a bit quieter, mate, and get out and do a bit more fishing. It's um, yeah. Yeah, been really busy lately, so yeah. Any select reports are going out because I'm not getting out that much, but yeah, I, I guarantee I definitely get out a lot more than than what I have been the last sort of 18 months with building a house and yeah, everything else and yeah. a little one on the ground. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Too easy, mate. Well, thanks for the chat to today. Um, I learn a lot from it. I'm hopefully everyone else learned a lot from it. And good luck with the spring. And I'll have to maybe not this year, but next spring I might head up that way and we'll yeah, I'll try, good, and, try and chase one of these silvers from Chaffee. That'd be epic. Yeah, I'll try and nut them out for you, mate. I'll just tell yeah. you, hundred gigalitres to find one in. Yeah, yeah, too easy. You've got a season to figure them out for me. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thanks for having me on, mate. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks, Adam. Catch you, mate. Yeah. As always, guys, thank you very much for listening to an episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. If you do enjoy these episodes, can you make sure you let me know? Make sure you send me a message on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, send me an email. Let me know if you enjoy the podcast and we'll continue to create as many episodes for you as possible. Also, if you have any um, requests for people that you would like us to interview in particular, make sure you send them through as well. I've got a massive list or a solid list of people that I want to get involved and many of them have been from you guys. So the people that I interview come from who you want to hear me talk to. So make sure you send that through for me and I'll add it to the list. Another thing, remember, check out the Freshwater Mini Series. Head over to socialfishing.com.au to check that one out. Make sure you watch that series, whether you're chasing trout, cod or golden perch, there's stacks of content in there. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review for the podcast. That would be epic. And last of all, I a few updates on what we are doing this spring. So inside the membership, we are growing a stack of content content and I actually have a trip coming up to Windermere. You would have heard me talk about that in the chat with Adam then. But yes, I have a trip planned for Windermere. We're going to check it out now that it is massively full. It is incredibly full compared to what it has been. It's a new lake. I'm keen to see what happens to the system over the next few years, but I'm keen to get up there and fish it. We're going to create a stack of content on Windermere. We're going to write a trip report. So that trip report will go up end of September that will be up so if you're heading to Windermere at all we will have info on what lures worked where we fished how we fished techniques really handy information for fishing Windermere now that it is full and very very different we're going to have a video we're going to have a film from our trip there uh, we're also going to have a stack of tip videos on chasing spring yellows. So that will all go up inside the SF membership platform plus there is already a stack of content going up on Golden Perch only this week, we released the Talbingo maps, which needs now our 13th map inside the membership. And coming up soon, we will have uh, Lake Eucumbine, Lake St. Clair as well for your bass. That will go up very soon. And um, This spring, we are also going to map Dartmouth. We're looking at heading over to Canberra and mapping the ACT lakes. 
We're also looking to head down to Victoria, map Blue Rock and Glen Maggie. So when we go there, we put together the maps for those spots. We also fish it, create a stack of content so that you guys have got information on a range of different locations when you go to visit them. So that is all inside our membership platform for our social fishing members. A big shout out to everyone listening who is an SF member. Thank you very much, guys. Your support goes a long way and I hope you get what you need and what you want out of the membership platform. It's growing in crazy quick. Um, I can't believe how many people are jumping on, especially over the last few months. And the stories and the feedback coming in from members, changing the way they fish, catching more fish. They're not having fishless trips anymore. It's just unbelievable. So thank you to all you guys out there and I'm glad you are enjoying your fishing. So if you want more information on that, that is at socialfishing.com.au and all of that content goes up inside the membership platform. Right, guys, that is it from me. I will have a podcast coming up from our Windermere trip. I always like to sit down. Windermere just seems to be one that we've recorded podcasts for uh, in the past. We've jumped on the on the on the mics on the second last night or the last night and talked about our trip. I'm planning to do the same thing again. So Dan will be with me on this trip. A few other people will be there as well, and I'm planning to jump on the mic and just have a catch up from Windermere. So the next podcast episode out uh, you should be listening to is from our Windermere trip. So so stay tuned for that one in the next couple of weeks. Plus, we have more exciting ones coming up very soon. My name's Reese Creed, and you've been listening to the Social Fishing Podcast. 